When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Are you ready to take your business to the next level? Every day there are countless books and articles that are published offering the key on how to make your business a success. It's easy to feel overwhelmed trying to keep up and run your business. That's why Deb Creer created the Business Power Hour. Keep up on the latest trends, best practices, and techniques for how to make your business a success. Let the Business Power Hour do the heavy work for you. Good morning, good morning. I am Deb Creer, and I am passionate about giving professionals the tools that they need to make themselves and their businesses as successful as possible. And we're going to have a great time today. I love this. We're going to get back to my roots and be talking about marketing and all of the important things that goes with it and a lot of the misperceptions that people have about marketing. So please join me in welcoming Ken Cook to our program today. Welcome, Ken. Hey, thank you so much for having me today. Great, great. Well, let me tell people a little bit about you, and then we will dive into this. So having a passion for local small businesses, Ken Cook began the development of prepared marketing. With dedication and experience, Ken has successfully grown his company from a one-man operation to a small agency employing a variety of talented workers that continually contribute to its success. In 2018, the Prepared Group was created, shifting the focus from tactical agency services to a comprehensive marketing strategy consulting process. And what he doesn't say in his bio that I found somewhere else is that he was born with that cowboy hat on. So again, Ken, welcome so much for the to, to be on the program. Thank you for having me. I'm I'm really excited to have a chat with you all today. Great, great. Well, you know, what I always like to start with is to have my guests tell us how they got to where they are today and how you discovered that this is your passion in life. So tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah. You know, I tell people um, I'm an accidental entrepreneur. I had a client mm-hmm. offer me a year's salary to start my own company. Oh, and you said, okie dokie. And I said, well, what does that mean? Yeah. Does that mean he, I'm no he, longer employed? <laughs> he, well, what had happened is I worked for a 650-man agency. Okay. And they were dissolving my department. Ah. And long story short, I was going to go work for another agency. They had offered me a very competitive mm-hmm. offer. I'm doing my final interview with the owner. Mm-hmm. And on his desk is this very cute picture of he and his wife and his son. Mm-hmm. And on his computer screensaver, for those in your audience old enough to remember those things, mm-hmm. like I am, uh, was he and his mistress on a wine tour. Oh, <laughs> I take it neither of those women visited the office. <laughs> I, you know, who knows? <laughs> and, and so I remember thinking to myself, if that's what he's willing to do to his family, what is he willing to do to his employees? Right. Mm-hmm. And so I, I called up this guy, Jim, and mm-hmm. I said, Jim, you know, I was going to go work here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, and I had worked with him for several years. We'd mm-hmm. made his company a ton of money. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know what I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. I guess I'm going to have to find another agency. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I w- you know, I thought this was pretty unlocked. They were mm-hmm. looking to start the department that I was just leaving, mm-hmm. you know, et cetera. And he goes, oh, I got you covered. Um, here's what you can do. You're going to start your own company. I'll be your first client. I'll give you a year's salary. Mm-hmm. Where should I send the check? And I said, what do you mean send the check? Right. He goes, well, for your first month. Mm-hmm. Just give me your address. And so I gave Mm -hmm. him my address. And a couple days later came a check Mm -hmm. and a $1 bill. Ah, and And the $1 bill was for. And I'll I'll tell you. So Jim was, uh, he was the first wine tour company on Long Island. Hmm. He ran a company called Long Island Wine Tours. Mm -hmm. And he also on the side, I guess that was on the side. And and his full-time job was he was a postmaster for a small post office. Oh, okay. Mm Mm-hmm. And in this letter that he had sent was him talking about the adventure of starting a business. Mm-hmm. And he said, I guess I'm the one who's giving you your first dollar. 
it's really hard to frame a check, especially one of this size. Mm -hmm. I've enclosed a crisp new dollar bill. Mm -hmm. Make sure you frame it and put it on the wall. Mm -hmm. And and that's just kind of guy he was. Mm -hmm. um, and so we did framed it. It's uh, it was it hung in my office for years and years and years. Um, and that, that's really how we got started. It was it was a true, honest to goodness accident. Mm -hmm. I love it. You know, and more importantly, he was a great mentor. Um, you know, and, and I think that's one of the things that so many people are missing nowadays is they think we can do this. We can, you know, we don't, we don't need, we don't, we don't need anybody helping us. And in truth, they do. They need mentors to to help out. You know, I, I ran my agency for about four years, mm -hmm. three years, and we never accomplished a ton. Mm -hmm. And then I watched an interview with Condoleezza Rice and Condoleezza Rice was talking about how every time she um, saw George Bush, he asked her what new book she was reading. Mm. And it was an expectation. Mm -hmm. uh, it would be a new book. That it would be a new book mm -hmm. every time. Well, it turns out Bush read a massive amount while he was in office. Mm -hmm. He averaged more than eight books a month. Wow. Okay. And most of his staff were that level or higher. Uh, mm -hmm. there, there's a, he and Carl Rove at one point had a competition Mm -hmm. And Rove was averaging over a two-year period, mm -hmm. 11 books a month, mm. right? So we're not talking like, hey, I did it for a couple of months. Mm -hmm. We're talking for years. Right. It was it was a true habit. It, it was the habit. And mm -hmm. so I, I thought about this. I looked at this. I did a bunch of research around it. And I said to myself, I probably should really read some books. Mm -hmm. I didn't really know why. I just, you know, seeing some examples, seeing other mm -hmm. CEOs, hearing stories. I said, you know, this, this is a practice I should start. I'm going to figure it out. Uh, the second year into this process, second full year, I mm -hmm. finished 133 books that year. Holy cow. And we grew by more than 300% that year. The previous year, we had more than doubled. Mm -hmm. And it, you know, the more I read, the more we grew. Mm -hmm. And the more we grew, the more I needed to read. Mm-hmm. And it created this cycle. You know, I, I remember one day talking to, to, to my accountant and he says, well, just look at your balance sheet. Mm -hmm. And I realized, because I, I went to school for philosophy. I was a philosophy major. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, and and I, I went to school to learn debate, to learn discussion, because mm -hmm. uh, I was going to be a pastor. And that's what I did right out of college for a number mm -hmm. of years. Uh, and kind of long story short with that is I, I said, well, I got I guess I got to learn about accounting. And mm -hmm. so each month. I would take a different topic and that's mm -hmm. what I would study in my okay. reading. Mm -hmm. And I would try to read at least six books mm -hmm. on that one topic. And then four other books mm -hmm. that were of interest, relevant, new, mm -hmm. you know, out by an author I enjoyed, mm -hmm. et cetera, all business books, no mm -hmm. fiction, mm -hmm. uh, but, but, you know, some biographies, that kind of a thing as well. Mm -hmm. And so one day I, I come back to the account and I say, you know, I think the problem with our balance sheet is we're running gap based accounting. And while that's really effective if we are a large organization, given the size, I think a non-gap <laughs> model would be far more effective. I'd really like you to be able to give me these, these, and these numbers. Mm -hmm. You think we can make that work? And he kind of looked at me and he goes, well, no one's ever asked me that before. Mm -hmm. And I said, how many of your clients actually know what the heck a balance sheet is for? Right. And, and ever even and, look at them. Right. Mm -hmm. and, and he laughed and he said, well, I don't think very many of them know what it's for. And I think even fewer of them read it. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, you told me to go read it and I didn't know how. So I figured out how, mm -hmm. but I don't think our balance sheet is sufficient any longer. Mm -hmm. and, and so it's those kinds of things that when you're talking about getting a mentor, we live in an age where, where the best business minds mm -hmm. are available to you. Right. In many cases for free, mm -hmm. if you just go and grab it. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. You and, know, and, and, and I and love the continual learning aspect. Yeah. You know, I, I think that there's a lot of people who who they they listen to podcasts or they do other things to learn, and mm -hmm. there's nothing wrong with that. Right. I I used to listen to five or six podcasts a day mm -hmm. religiously, and what I have found is a good, well edited audiobook, mm -hmm. well produced, has 50, if you take an hour, fifty minutes of it. Mm -hmm. is really tight, edited quality information, mm -hmm. and 10 minutes of it is fluff. Mm -hmm. You look at the average hour-long podcast, mm -hmm. 50 minutes of it is fluff, right? and 10 minutes of it is really solid mm -hmm. quality information. Mm -hmm. 
And, and because let's be honest, we chat a lot. Right. And there's nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. Right. Is we're, we're chatting right now. Mm-hmm. And you know what? In, in a book format, this is one paragraph, mm-hmm. maybe two. Right. And, 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 you know, I mean, there's going to be more story in this and some other things, mm-hmm. but a good edited version allows you to, to get more information mm-hmm. more efficiently. Mm-hmm. And so for me, I just said, you know what? I need to be the best version of me. Mm-hmm. How can I drive more of this kind of learning mm-hmm. so that I can be a better leader mm-hmm. in this organization? And we ended up having a staff of 10 people. It's not like we were, stayed super small. We never grew huge, but right. I mean, it's 10 a pretty good size for an agency, mm-hmm. you know, for a guy who never went to business school, mm-hmm. never took a marketing class in college. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, that that's, that's kind of where we grew to. And, and I look at some of that and I say, uh, almost all of it is mm-hmm. because we com- I, I committed to learning. In fact, there was a point and some, some of our current staff will tell you this because they remember it from four or five years ago. Mm-hmm. We had a policy that said you had four, two weeks from when you were first hired mm-hmm. to read four books. And there was a specific four books. Uh-huh. And if you didn't read them, we would fire you. I only have to do like them. a book report. No, they had to tell me that they read them. Okay. Because what, so, so one of those books was spin selling here, right over my shoulder. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. This gives them the language to communicate within the office. Right. Because if I say, well, tell me about the implication of X, Y, Z, and you have no idea all that's wrapped up into that term, mm-hmm. can you really communicate in our culture? Mm-hmm. You couldn't. Right. right? And so, so I did this as a way of quickly indoctrinating people into the culture, mm-hmm. but also if they couldn't read, if I couldn't trust them to read four books in two weeks, mm-hmm. which is then not Then you couldn't down, trust them. I couldn't trust them mm-hmm. because they weren't, com- they couldn't commit because mm-hmm. every one of those people said, yes, I'll read them. Mm-hmm. Right. But it also, the, the guy, the one guy that we fired for not doing it. I got, I, I remember it distinctly. I called him into the office. I said, look, you know, did you read the four books? He said, uh, I read two of them. Mm-hmm. And then he proceeded to give me three or four excuses. And I just right. said, you know what? I hear that. Mm-hmm. I'm going to let you go. Mm-hmm. He made that yeah. commitment and he didn't he made keep the it. commitment. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I felt like as, as an owner, mm-hmm. this was how I had to protect my culture mm-hmm. is, is we would, we would, this is true on Wednesdays, we would sit down. Uh, this was when having a 3d camera was cool. You probably can still find some of these old recordings mm-hmm. on YouTube. Mm-hmm. We would sit down, we would put a, a 3d camera in the middle of our little office. We would all gather around mm-hmm. and we would talk about a subject. Okay. Mm-hmm. And it was my way of making sure that our staff was continually getting best practices from mm-hmm. one another, thinking mm-hmm. through issues, et cetera, mm-hmm. right. Talking about things. Mm-hmm. If I said, Hey, for, for a week from now, I need you to read this book. I need to know that I've got the kind of person mm-hmm. who can do that. Right. Right. And if, if you can't read four books when you're first here in the honeymoon phase, when you're trying to impress us, mm-hmm. What's going to happen six months from now right. when you're not? Mm-hmm. Well, and if he got away with not reading them, then other people are yep. going to go, well, wait a minute. Why am I doing it? Yep. Exactly. It's a culture thing. Mm-hmm. And that was part of the culture that, that we set up. In fact, uh, we, we put together this old cultural document. I probably should dig it out at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we wrote down a bunch of cultural values and one of them was intelligence. And I remember, I remember it because we had a Monty Python joke about calculating the speed of African uh, swallows in there. Mm-hmm. And what was really funny is no one ever got the joke. Like I had, I had so many people like that were applying, that were interviewing, mm-hmm. ask, well, what is, what is that? Like, mm-hmm. I don't understand what the, these kinds of birds are. Mm-hmm. No one ever got the Monty Python <laughs> reference in there. Mm-hmm. Right. It was, it was something that we used to say, look, mm-hmm. if you don't get our sense of humor, mm-hmm. Maybe you're not going to be a good fit here. Mm-hmm. Right, right. You know, just, yeah. just corporate like culture. That. I mean, so many folks and, and I think it's, I think it's taken a hit because of COVID, mm-hmm. um, you know, when we're not in the office, I mean, that's I, the, the, the thing about corporate culture is you have to be in the same place with people in order to, to really have that culture and experience it. Um, you know, yeah, you can be remote, but, but no, I mean, you know, it's, and, and get your work done, but that culture 
is the social aspect. And, you know, and, and I mean, people don't understand sometimes culture is, hey, we go out for lunch every Thursday. We do a Habitat for Humanity house. Um, I worked for a big financial company where we had many of our employees who were actuaries, so the real numbers people, who were tutors at a local elementary school. I mean, and that was just part of the culture. And, and things like that have definitely taken a hit with, with the whole work from home thing. Oh, ab- absolutely. Uh, I just finished reading a book uh, earlier this week called You Are What You Do. Mm. And, and the whole argument is uh, cu- culture is what you do. Mm-hmm. And you can, for better or worse, look at your culture, not aspirationally, mm-hmm. what would we like to be, mm-hmm. but factually, what do we actually do? Right. Very, very interesting kind of a thing. Right. You know, and I love the concept and I read quite a bit um, because I have to for this program. I always tell people, if I'm going to talk about your book, I'm going to read it. Um, Am I reading it word for word for word? Mm, Now, I'm probably skimming it a little bit. But, you know, I I mean, you read 100 books a year. I mean, that's a couple books a week. I mean, that, that really is quite a bit. But. You know, and for everybody who just went at that, put your phone down and pick up a book. Um, you know, I'm and I'm serious about that. It's an hour. I mean, you know, you you probably aren't sitting there reading for five, six hours a night, unless you find a book that you really can't put down. But yeah, an hour is probably going to do it. And and that's the time that we're playing Wordle, that we're you know reading ESPN, that we're you know all of those things. And yeah, you know, put your phone down, folks. And and even if it's not business books, um, you know, biographies, all of those things. And you know, shoot, fluff has its its place too. Yeah, you know, um, I, I find if I spend two hours a day, six mm-hmm. days a week, mm-hmm. I can very easily mm-hmm. get through two to four books a week, mm-hmm. right. And, and, you know, what's interesting is, is if you listen to like Warren Buffett or Mark Cuban, they'll actually say they have three hours of their working day mm-hmm. is uninterruptible right. reading time. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, I wonder to what extent mm-hmm. if you were to just take your eight hours a day mm-hmm. and say, look, two hours of my eight are mm-hmm. reading, mm-hmm. are making me better, more efficient, right. giving me better ideas, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And therefore, I need to be really efficient with the six that I have. Mm-hmm. I wonder if you could use the same amount of working hours, mm-hmm. but have more impact. I think you could. Um, I, I think you know, and, and 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 that's where remote working, I think, has has kind of been a benefit because of the social aspects. I mean, you know, how much time when we're in the office do we spend chit chatting, visiting at the coffee machine, all of those things? And, you know, we're, we're not doing that. Now, granted, I've home office for, for many years, but yeah, that aspect I think has, has, I think, and I've heard people say this, um, you know, where they say, you know, my normal eight ish hour, you know, per day is six. I've had one guy say four. He said, I can get done in four hours. What I used to do in the office because of all of the distractions and the interruptions. So, you know, there, he just gained four hours that he could be reading. Yeah, exa- exactly. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that that's the point here is mm-hmm. how can you as a manager, as an owner, mm-hmm. as, as someone in a leadership role, mm-hmm. how can you create a culture that empowers your people to read, Right. that mm-hmm. empowers education, mm-hmm. that empowers the betterment of your team mm-hmm. um, and, and by, by something as simple as, hey, ha- start with half an hour a day is dedicated to reading five right. days a week. Mm-hmm. I'm going to pay you for two and a half hours mm-hmm. to read, mm-hmm. right? And every other week, we're going to have a discussion about what mm-hmm. we've been reading. Right. You know, something as simple as that mm-hmm. is going to pay off in spades mm-hmm. because you're bettering your team right? every single day. Mm-hmm. You're getting a better worker the next day than you had today. Right. Every right. single time. You know, and those workers know that you care about them. I mean, there's, there's that little perk in there too. Um, you know, I, we, we, you know, people, you know, they, they announced, I think it was last week that the, the company that owns Dollywood and several other, you know, parks, theme parks, whatever they are, um, is now saying, you know, hundred percent, 
we will pay your education, even if you're a part-time employee. You know, and and I mean, the sad thing is that made the news because it's so unique. Um, you know, and and the companies that do that, I hear a lot of people say, "Well, but they're going to lose those people." They might, but you know, there. It's also it, it comes back to that culture thing. You know, hey, we care about you, even if it means that you're going to better yourself to the point where you go somewhere else. We still made you better while you were here. Well, and what does that do to the way people, your employees, talk about you, mm-hmm. help recruit other employees, right. the loyalty that it engenders? I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot there. Right. I think we right. You know, and, and for those that are, are listening or watching who are the one person shops, it's just as easy for us to be doing it too. Um, you know, again, put our phones down, read in the morning. Um, I, I do a half an hour every morning where, you know, I'm listening to audible books. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, it's just, and, and I'm, and I do it on weekends too, because I decided, you know what, I, it's, it's not a negative thing. So I shouldn't be wanting to take a day off from it. Um, you know, and, and so, and, and then I read a lot at night, um, you know, and, and, but yeah, I mean, it's just, it's something that, you know, people, you know, you've got your phone, you've got your book, you've got your whatever with you. We're sitting for an appointment waiting for 15 minutes. Okay. Are you going to play Wordle? Are you going to read? Yeah. It's really not that complicated. Yeah. Absolutely. I totally agree with that. Well, holy cow, we got off on quite the tangent here. I love this. You know, it's, it's, it's so many, you know, we were back to, you know, the fact that, you know, we, we just kind of, you know, we're chatting and not talking about business, but I think that's, it's important for people to understand that's part of how you have a successful business, Um, you know, is we continually have to better ourselves, you know, and, and, and I love that, that, you know, as, as you said, you don't have a marketing degree. You're not an MBA, you know, but you have an incredibly successful marketing firm. And I know part of that is because you have an analytical mind that looks at this and says, we need to know our numbers. You know, it's not just, hey, we're going to have this pretty Super Bowl commercial. (laughs) We need to know our numbers. So, okay, let's let's get into this. Why do we need to know our numbers? Why do you need to know how much is in your bank account? Mm -hmm. Why 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 do you not just go write checks without checking? Mm -hmm. Right. Um, Numbers are business. Mm The, the simple uh, to, to the, the simple reality is if you were to look historically at business, the purpose of business has always been to increase the value of the stock mm-hmm. for the shareholders. Mm-hmm. Now, if you're a solopreneur, guess what? You're the sole shareholder, mm-hmm. right? If you're in a partnership, maybe you're a 50-50, mm-hmm. maybe you're a 60-30, you know, wh- whatever you are, right? Uh, you, you are the shareholders. And the job of the business is to return value to those shareholders. Mm-hmm. If you are not watching your money, if you are not watching your numbers, if you are not uh, running the numbers, mm-hmm. the numbers are running you. Right. And and the simple reality is no good in business comes from ignorance mm-hmm. at any point. And I, I, I kind of tell people, you know, if you don't know your numbers, you may have a well-paid hobby, mm-hmm. but you don't have a business. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. The simple reality is if you don't know your numbers, no one is ever willing to purchase mm-hmm. that business. Right. No one yeah, is willing to invest in that business. Mm-hmm. Imagine going to the bank and saying, mm-hmm. hey, I'd like a loan. Well, tell me about your business. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, we do these really cool things. Mm-hmm. Right. But what are the numbers? Oh, I don't know about that stuff. Right. Uh, yeah. Uh, we had money at the end of the year. <laughs> right. Well, I, I mean, the reality is most small businesses run based upon their checking account. Right. Can we do this? Yes or no. Right. They do not future plan. Mm-hmm. They, they therefore suffer tremendous lack of growth mm-hmm. because they cannot forecast effectively. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and so, so we just, we spent more money this week on marketing than I have ever spent before in any of my businesses. Wow. Okay. We spent a lot. Mm-hmm. Of money. 
in one mm-hmm. transaction this week mm-hmm. to buy premier sponsorship at a very targeted event. Mm-hmm. Okay. Why? Well, I know my numbers. Mm-hmm. I know that it's going to cost me a certain amount to go to the event, mm-hmm. to speak at the event, to have flyers, handouts, swag, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, mm-hmm. for the event. Right. And I also know exactly how many sales I need to break even. Right. Right. The payback rate. How mm-hmm. fast am I breaking even based mm-hmm. on those sales? Right. Mm-hmm. And so I've got a bound that says, look, if I get this many, I'm successful. Mm-hmm. Right. If I get this many, I'm break even. And if I right. get this, many, I'm not successful. Mm-hmm. Well, if I know those things and I can then say, well, how successful was this? Mm-hmm. I can then say next year. Mm-hmm. or in six months when the event mm-hmm. happens again, should I sponsor it again? Mm-hmm. Should I look for other events to sponsor? Right. Because I know my numbers. Mm-hmm. And, and so many people find this odd from a marketing perspective to be talking about this. Mm-hmm. The reality is marketing, if we were to walk into any fortune level organization, mm-hmm. is not about creating pretty pictures. Right. It is not about how does my logo or brochure look? Mm -hmm. It is fundamentally about how much revenue Mm -hmm. are we generating for the money that we are Mm -hmm. spending. Right. So much so that in some organizations, they have demoted the CMO Mm -hmm. off of the the executive team, Mm. replaced them with a CRO, chief revenue officer. Mm -hmm. The CMO is in charge of brand Mm -hmm. and the revenue officer is in charge of the actual revenue that the marketing right. department produces. Mm-hmm. And, and that's been a long coming trend, mm-hmm. right? But the reality is as small business owners, we should have been working this way all along. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. But we've been sold a bill of goods that says, you just need to be on the first page of Google. Mm-hmm. You just need to be running Facebook ads. Right. You just need this SEO package. You mm-hmm. just need this thing, this thing, this other thing. Mm-hmm. You just need these tactics and mm-hmm. you'll be fine. Mm-hmm. Don't worry about the numbers. They'll work themselves out. Mm-hmm. I don't know how well this is going to perform. I don't know what my acquisition cost is. I don't know anything, mm-hmm. but don't worry. It'll work itself out. You'll and be it, on the first page of Google. What does it matter? Mm-hmm. It's utter nonsense. Mm-hmm. And it's, and, and unfortunately it is sold by people in my industry mm-hmm. over and over and right. over and over and over. Mm-hmm. And it's wrong. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's not the way to run a business mm-hmm. because it's paramount to gambling. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and yeah, that is you, you are gambling that it will work. Yep. And and of course, what happens is and, you know, I've, I've, I've been doing marketing and PR longer than you have, um, you know, and, and of course, one of the things people say, well, it's hard to measure. Yeah, there's ways you can do it. I mean, you know, long ago, we figured out some things, some ways that we could measure these things. In, um, in 1900, Claude Hopkins wrote the book, mm-hmm. Scientific yeah. Advertising. Oh, yeah. And, well, and I, he argues in that book mm-hmm. in 1900, mm-hmm. 120 some odd years ago. Before you had a smartphone. <laughs> right. How This is how this is how you calculate. Mm-hmm. Right. Guess what? It's only gotten easier from there. Right. Yeah. Because of technology. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Totally. Yeah. I remember, you know, years ago, I worked for the American Cancer Society and I did their public and media relations. And, you know, and, and as happens, you have to justify your existence, right? And, and so they said, well, how do we know that this PR campaign made money? And we did it a pretty easy way. You know, I mean, it, it, I mean, it's, it's still, it, it was still kind of a guess, but, you know, and, and this was 30 ish years ago. So, you know, technology was obviously not nearly as advanced as, as it is. We had a separate phone number and you called that yep. to do whatever it was. Now, did you have people that called the regular number? Sure. Did you have people who called that number who wanted something else? Sure. But for the most part, we could say, okay, this you know, commercial ran on channel four yep. and we immediately got 20 phone calls to that number. Yep. Those 20 phone calls got us X. Yep. And, you know, and, and it really, like I said, it was not all that difficult. And now, shoot, with things like Google, you know, free numbers and, and all of those things, that's one, that's an easy thing. I mean, you know, it's, it is not hard to get your numbers. The hard thing is for people to understand what the numbers mean. Right. Well, and that's where 
It was 2010 when the book of the year was data-driven marketing. So 12 years we've had this work out. Mm-hmm. Okay. I still would say more than 90% of people don't know what acquisition cost is. They don't know how to calculate it, et cetera. And that's either because they choose to be ignorant, right? Or this doesn't matter to them. But the the data, the information is mm-hmm. there for you to get. Right. If you, if you want it, mm-hmm. right? However, bad marketers have an interest in you not having this. Mm-hmm. Right. Because they want you to do more marketing. Well, it's not that. It's, it, I mean, that's part of it, but it's, it's more than that. It's if they don't know if the campaign is working or not, or if they know it's not. Right. Well, not. Back to justifying your existence, right? Right. Mm-hmm. If, if you don't know your numbers, they can get away with running a bad campaign mm-hmm. and saying, it just takes a little longer. Mm-hmm. It just takes a little longer. Right. Right. And many, I mean, I mean, there's a lot of guys in this industry who, who they're living hand to mouth mm-hmm. and, and they're doing so because they have a bad business. They, they're not good at what they do, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and that then leads to them taking advantage of business owners, mm-hmm. unfortunately. And, and it doesn't look like that necessarily from the outside, mm-hmm. but as someone who's been in this industry for, for a while, right. Mm-hmm. has seen kind of a, a number of sides. One mm-hmm. of the things I would really point out is there are more people that I hear who say my marketing agency did X, Y, Z. And I ask a basic question. Well, what was this number? What was that number? Mm-hmm. Well, we've never talked about that with them. Right. Right. There's, there's one, there's no excuse of, for them to be ignorant. Mm-hmm. There's no excuse for them. Mm-hmm. Okay. Two. If that's really the case, Mm -hmm. you've got to ask yourself, what happened in my vendor selection process Mm -hmm. that I hired this kind of person? Right. You know, and and I don't mean to be overly harsh here. I know I'm being a little bit harsh, Mm -hmm. but the reality is I'm being harsh because Mm -hmm. if you don't know this stuff, you're going to be taken advantage of. Right. And you're more than likely going to lose money. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, right. and we make other departments tell us the numbers. Absolutely. And 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 that's where the breakdown comes in. And it comes back to what I was saying. People go, well, it's hard to it's hard to measure marketing. Uh, you know, I <laughs> I have a there's a tool that we use called Wicked Reports. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, it's a company out of Boston. Mm-hmm. And what they are is they are marketing attribution software. Mm. Okay. Mm-hmm. I can tell you to the penny. Mm-hmm. That for every two hundred and sixty-four dollars I spent last month, mm-hmm. I made five thousand. Ooh, that's a pretty good turnaround. Okay, to the penny. I I know exactly that, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Well, that enables me to do some things, right? To to invest in some ways that other people can't because they don't know the numbers. Right. This software is what four six hundred bucks a month. Mm-hmm. Pays for I, itself I, pretty quick. It sounds like absolutely. Well, because mm-hmm. think about it. I, I, I mean, I've re- I've gone and done audits for people over the years, mm-hmm. over the past 10, 12 years. Mm-hmm. I have seen so many people whose whose entire spend on marketing produced nothing. True, right. true story, by the way. Mm-hmm. I was mm-hmm. I was consulting with a very large public company. Mm-hmm. Public company. I'm not going to say their name. Mm-hmm. They were spending about $50,000 a week on Google ads. Holy cow. Okay. That was their budget. Mm-hmm. Over the previous year, it had accounted for $1,200 worth of revenue. Total for the year. For the year that I could, that I could track. But they were on the first page of Google. Maybe. <laughs> Who knows? Right? Mm-hmm. My, my point is. No one is immune from this, mm-hmm. but if we don't know, and if we aren't examining, mm-hmm. and if we aren't watching, right? How, I mean, they might as well have just taken a million dollars, just thrown it away. And they did. It. They just they threw did. it away. And, and I think it was, you know, pretty pretty close to two and a half million dollars mm-hmm. that they right. lit on fire, mm-hmm. right? For what reason? Mm-hmm. Right. Because of poor systems, poor process, mm-hmm. poor structure mm-hmm. within their marketing setup. Right. Right. You know, and, and 
a lot of it is the basics, yep. you know, not knowing who the heck they're trying to even market to, yep. um, you know, and, and, you know, I mean, we, we talk about, you know, finding your niche, finding your avatar, all of those things, you know, anytime somebody tells me, you know, if I say, so Ken, tell me who your perfect client is. And you look at me and you say, everyone, that should be the biggest red flag in the world, right? Um, yep. Because it's it's not, um, and so you know, you you have to know those things. I'm 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 gonna I'm coming back to the Super Bowl commercials. That's the only reason I watch that football game, right? Um, and I mean, those cost millions of dollars to produce, and then for the ad buy, and you can't tell me that any of them make that money back. Now there's awareness, there's, you know, all those things, which that's part of what we do as marketing is we build, you know, but, but my favorite one is the, the, the Doritos one where it's the animals and they go, do, 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 you know, and they start singing. I mean, I just think that's cute because it's animals. Now it did cost probably less to produce because it's CGI, um, you know, and, and so as opposed to like some of the commercials who had some of the really big name stars where they probably wrote them a million dollar check just for the, the commercial. Um, but you know, and and then they had the ad buy, which you know, there's there's the rate that they tell everybody, and then there's the rate that they actually pay. So you're never quite sure about that. But there's no way that all of that money people raced out because you have to do it fairly quickly because our attention span is on to the next thing, and bought enough Doritos to pay for those spots. I mean, it's just not going to happen, um, you know, and, and, and that's, I think that's one of the, the sad things is, is we get sucked into the, the glamour, the pretty, you know, we want to, you know, whether it's, a, maybe it's a small business and they're thinking, hey, I want to win the award, or, you know, you mentioned sponsoring something, we get sucked into sponsoring an event that it doesn't make sense for us to sponsor, but it's a way cool event and we really should be there. Um, you know, we, it comes back to, we just don't know what we don't know sometimes. And, and we really don't know what that end is. You know, we think, Hey, you know, let's, let's, let's put this money into it and maybe it works. Maybe it doesn't, um, you know, and, and, and I mean, it's just, it, it, it is, it's a complicated question um, because, you know, it's, they, they just don't understand it. So, you know, one of the things that, that I know you talk about is how marketing isn't always marketing. So talk to us about that. Yeah, you know, most people when they when I say marketing or when you mm -hmm. say marketing, mm -hmm. what they heard us say was advertising. Right. The Super Bowl ad. Great example. Right. Mm -hmm. And and the problem is marketing is so much more than right. that. Mm -hmm. Right. We we talk about um a frame we, we, we have a kind of our own framework. Mm -hmm. Um and, and the idea within our framework is look, we go from first, how do we attract people in? Mm -hmm. Right? How do we capture that data? Mm-hmm. How do we nurture those people into a sale, mm -hmm. right? How do we actually convert them? How do we onboard them effectively? Mm -hmm. uh, and I just want to pause here for a second. The first four people are like, oh yeah, that's, that's marketing. Okay. I get it. Maybe a little sales, but okay. That's marketing. Every time I say onboarding, people give me weird looks. Right. Why does that pertain to marketing? There, there are a number of studies that have shown mm -hmm. uh, um, most of them published in like Harvard business review. Mm -hmm that effective onboarding drastically increases both client stickiness, but mm -hmm. also likelihood to refer mm -hmm. also uh, overall spend as mm -hmm. well as some other critical things. Right. And so you look at this and you say, and I say, have you ever had a business that you sign a contract with and the onboarding experience is so bad that you regret it? Mm -hmm. I think we've all kind of been there. Right. Right. Or you don't even get an onboard experience. Right. Well, that's, that is their experience, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. and, and, and I look at that and I say, whether, whether that's intentional or not, mm -hmm. that's marketing. That's communication mm -hmm. about your organization. Right. And, and then even more so, though, mm -hmm. how do we create customer delight? What we like to call mm -hmm. surprise, delight, and wow. Mm -hmm. Right. This idea of how do I build a meaningful, impactful relationship mm -hmm. right. with right. my clientele? Mm -hmm. Well, if that's not intentional, mm -hmm. if that's simply occasional, mm -hmm. right? The likelihood is I'm not going to have great relationships or I'm going to have very few great relationships. 
as opposed to a whole tribe of mm-hmm. raving fans. Right. It was Peter Shankman who said, um, the average American is used to being treated like crap. Mm-hmm. Wait, we think average is okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he goes on, he says, all you have to do to win is treat them one step above crap. Mm-hmm. Right. And I love this idea mm-hmm. because you can do the smallest of things mm-hmm. to create deeply loyal customers mm-hmm. who are going to, to bring a, a path of people to your door mm-hmm. who are going to be loyal to you for a mm-hmm. very long time. Mm-hmm. Not because you went out and wrote a huge check to them. Mm-hmm. Right, but rather because you showed them that you cared. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, from there, from there, we want to look at well, how do we systematically upsell? And I, by mm-hmm. upsell, I don't just mean upsell, but all, all of the things that are in scope there. Right. Cross sell. Mm-hmm. Right. Downsell. It's not that, but wait, there's more type of right. thing. <laughs> right. How do we give them the next thing? Mm-hmm. One problem is there's a lot of businesses that don't have a next thing. Right. They're the right? one trick pony. Well, we've got to create the next thing. Mm-hmm. Right. Or we have to find a partner who has the next thing mm-hmm. that right. we can get paid for referring mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. And, and then kind of the final piece that we look at is, well, system, referrals. Mm-hmm. And, and I always ask people this question, and I, I would encourage those of you who are listening to really think about this question. Mm-hmm. Do I have a systematic documented plan mm-hmm. by which I can garner referrals mm-hmm. from all of my clients? And virtually everybody are going to go, uh, no. <laughs> right. Now, what's funny is how you, the number of businesses that tell me, well, we work off of referrals only. Mm-hmm. And I say, great. Well, tell me. Tell us about for, it. Mm-hmm. How do you extract referrals predictably? Or does your business do this? Are you on the business roller coaster mm-hmm. where you're not sure where your next meal is coming from? Mm-hmm. And you just kind of have to sit there and hope mm-hmm. that somebody buys, mm-hmm. that somebody refers. Right. Call me crazy, but that sounds insane. That sounds like, yeah. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? It sounds insane. Mm-hmm. Like, like if I came to you and I said, Deb, here's my business plan. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do some really good work for people mm-hmm. and then really hope that they tell their friends. Right. And that one of those friends is going to then come to me and buy. Mm-hmm. You would say that's the dumbest business plan I've ever heard. Mm-hmm. There's no way I'm going to give you time, money, effort right. to get behind right. that business plan mm-hmm. yet. Mm-hmm. Nearly every business I know mm-hmm. functions in this area in that way. Right. And, and with all politeness, it's it's one of those areas that if cleaned up, mm-hmm. if done correctly, will result in massive growth. Right. In, in the SaaS world, they actually have a metric for this and they call it K. Mm-hmm. Okay. And K is the rate of referral. Mm. Okay. And you can you can look up case studies about Dropbox and K. Mm-hmm. Dropbox got their their rate of referral or virality, sometimes referred to as mm-hmm. rate, up to two at one point. Mm-hmm. So what this means is for every client they signed, mm-hmm. they had such a good system in place mm-hmm. that for every client they signed, that client sent them two more. Right. Now think about what that means. Yeah, it doesn't sound like a lot until those two bring in two, and those two bring in two, and you know even I can do that math until and my they, brain and this hurts. This is how Dropbox went from unknown <laughs> to ubiquitous <laughs> in about two and a half years. Right. Right. Because I don't know if you. I, I mean, I'm sure you remember. But I don't know if all of our the people listening here remember. There was a time before Dropbox, and Dropbox mm-hmm. in the early stages was revolutionary. I still remember using Dropbox right. on dial-up. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and it was this incredible thing, mm-hmm. right? It saves my files. Right. Backs them up. This is incredible. Mm-hmm. And right? I don't, I don't have to email. I don't have to put it right. on at that point. It would have been a CD probably a yep. DVD. Yeah. Disc, yeah. Mm-hmm. Thumb drive, early mm-hmm. thumb drives. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I can share a link and someone else can download it. This is mm-hmm. mind boggling. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and, that company went from nowhere to everywhere so quickly because mm-hmm. they built a system for referrals. Right. Right. And so, so my argument is in essence, this service-based companies, this is what they need to focus on mm-hmm. is, is this entire framework. And if they right. build right. marketing systems, structures, and processes like they do in operations, mm-hmm. but for marketing, mm-hmm. Right, that covers these pieces, mm-hmm. they will experience growth like they have never mm-hmm. seen. Right. 
Well, and and the key is the fact that I could see an ad, a brochure, a website, a whatever, over and over again for a company and a service. But if my friend Betty Lou tells me, oh my gosh, you need to use these people, I'm like, I'm there, Betty Lou. Tell me how to do it. Yep. Um, but, you know, it's it's the whole word of mouth thing. And, and and even if it's a total stranger, you know, maybe it's somebody on Facebook that we're, you know, maybe friends with, you know, uh, we believe them before we believe the ad, the, the website, the whatever, um, you know, and, 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 but, but as you said, you actually have to have that process and putting, you know, the line on your email signature, we depend on your referrals. Do they even read that? And, and let's be honest, you know, it takes it. Where's, where's my thing? I, here we go. Here we go. You know, if, if your referral program has a little oomph to it, that's even better, you know, and, and now granted, you know, I, you still want it to be valid because you don't want people just referring just to get paid, um, you know, but, but yeah, I mean, and that's where you have to have all of the, the they, procedures. They a multi-level marketing company. Mm-hmm. Yep. And you know what? Like, like, I know that that's a dirty word for a lot of people, but there are a lot of those companies that have made a lot of money. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Just look at all the, I guess we don't really have pink Cadillacs around anymore, but Mary Kay is, is, you know, one of the things that, you know, in my generation, that was, was the thing. Yep. And and so I look at this and I'm like, you know, there are processes and systems and predictability that Mm -hmm. should exist in the marketing space. Right. And, and it doesn't, Mm -hmm. I think largely because of ignorance, Mm -hmm. But also there's this idea that marketing is artistic. Right. And we want to control it. Right. And, and my argument is art, marketing is not artistic. Graphics design is artistic. Mm-hmm. Marketing mm-hmm. is the controllable aspect. Mm-hmm. Right. I might, believe it or not, I think you can, can predictably control human behavior. Mm-hmm. I do. Right. You know, if you, if you put an offer in front of somebody, mm-hmm who has a particular problem and you're going to solve that problem mm-hmm. there, there is a percentage of likelihood that they are going to take that. And if you mm-hmm. put that in front of a certain number of people that over time, you can find what that is, mm-hmm. right? You can find an average take rate. Mm-hmm. And, right. Oh, you know, for every X I get Y. Mm-hmm. Right. And so it's those kinds of things that I look at and I say, okay, how do we build this into an organization? Mm-hmm. Right. And how do we get marketing agencies to build this into their clients' organizations, mm-hmm. right? Because ultimately, I think that what needs to happen is there needs to be a change in the way marketing is purchased and mm-hmm. sold in this mm-hmm. country, mostly because if strategy led rather than tactics, mm-hmm. and these pieces were in place before we started throwing money down the Mark Zuckerberg retirement fund, mm-hmm. right? We often would see far better results for right. our businesses, mm-hmm. right? We would see more growth, mm-hmm. right? When you, when we see the statistics of business failure, right? And it's somewhere between 60 and 90%, depending on who you talk to over right. a five-year right. period. I don't believe it's because more than half the people out there are incompetent. Right. I don't or have bad products or yeah. bad products, mm-hmm. bad ideas, mm-hmm. bad services. I believe if if you go and you sell something and what you make off of it is 20%. Mm-hmm. So you sell you sell a service for $100, you make 120. Mm-hmm. Right? If I come to you and I say, "Hey, uh, give me $60." Mm-hmm. Right? I'll give you a few more of those. Mm-hmm. Right? On paper that sounds like a great idea. Right. The problem is many, many marketers take the $60, mm-hmm. return no customers, mm-hmm. and now the business doesn't have the ability to provide the service. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and this is where there's a massive challenge because mm-hmm. what happens is we we put the proverbial cart before the horse. Mm-hmm. We, we engage in tactical action mm-hmm. before there's a strategic plan. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and, and I think that is a huge, huge issue. Mm-hmm. Right. A huge and, issue. And I think we saw 
that the companies that, you know, many of them that knew their numbers, that knew the strategy, all of those, when the pandemic hit, they were able to pivot. They were able to survive, um, you know, and, and some of them really did just say, okay, we're not going to do anything for a month, um, you know, and, and because maybe their product or their service was something people had, you know, had to come in and do things like that. But, but those that knew their numbers and, and could figure out, okay, how can we change things? They're the ones that survived. I mean, one of the, the, the I always got a kick out of the ones and, and I'm assuming they're back to normal now, but the distilleries that went from alcohol to disinfecting products, you know, wasn't a huge shift, but they knew their, they knew by their numbers that they could make that change. Um, and then of course they, you know, it, granted it was alcohol and, and they were no, they knew uh, we're going to go back to that, but, um, but at the, the same point, they, they knew how to make those shifts and, and the same with, you know, say restaurants who knew, okay, our, you know, if we have to cut our staff in half because we have cut our number of customers by two thirds, you know, all of those things can, you know, they, they knew all of those things. And, and, um, you know, and, and unfortunately there were obviously businesses that went under and businesses that knew all their numbers and things that went under, but those that survived and continue to survive and thrive have all that information. Um, you know, they're not just flying by the seat of their pants. And and if if the pandemic taught people anything, it's that. You know, you you had to to have a lot of that information before you. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you know, it's it's funny. Have you ever heard the story of Moxie Cola? Pre um Great Depression, mm-hmm. the largest soft drink company in the United States was a company called Moxie Cola. Ah. You can purchase it in certain places today. Mm-hmm. It's around. Tastes terrible. <laughs> um, they primarily existed off of billboard advertising. Mm-hmm. When the Great Depression hit, they decided that they were going to pull back on their mm. advertising on billboard. Mm-hmm. And so for pennies on the dollar, this little soda company purchased all of Moxie Cola's billboards. Mm. That soda company was a, a company by the name of Coca-Cola. Yeah, yeah, the little little guy down the street here. Mm-hmm. And what happened is by the end of the depression, mm-hmm. market share between Moxie and Coke had flipped. Mm-hmm. Had flipped. Right. Oftentimes people use this story to talk about well, this is why you have to do marketing and marketing mm-hmm. works. I don't think that's our lesson here. Mm-mm. I think our lesson here is Coca-Cola saw an opportunity. Mm-hmm. They knew what the risk was, mm-hmm. saw what the opportunity was. And because of those things, mm-hmm. they took a very calculated risk. They did not buy all the billboards at once. Right. Right. They slowly rolled this out. Mm-hmm. Right. And in doing so, they had a proof case that made it sense to go bigger and bigger and bigger mm-hmm. and bigger and bigger. Mm-hmm. Right? How do we do that within our businesses today? Mm-hmm. That's that's really, you know, I think one of the big pieces here that's absolutely critical mm-hmm. is understanding how do we grow intelligently, incrementally, mm-hmm. and strategically mm-hmm. in the same way you wouldn't hire 10 people tomorrow because you expected to be three times the size in a month. Mm-hmm. You would hire them as you needed them. Right. How do we do that with our marketing budget? Mm-hmm. How do right. we do that with our marketing systems and mm-hmm. structures? Those are all the things to look at, in mm-hmm. my opinion. Right. Oh, my gosh, Ken. Can you believe it? We only have five minutes left. I mean, this is and, – and we've just scratched the surface on this uh, because now everybody's going, well, how do we do that? Um, yeah. You know, which just means we have to have you on again. But, you know, I think it is something that – you know, people need to, to, to really realize and, you know, and, and think about it. Um, you know, again, the pandemic, you know, everybody scaled back and they thought, okay, we were spending a hundred dollars. Now we can do 20. What are we going to do with that 20 that makes the difference? And, you know, and, and then, then of course the key is, okay, well, if that 20 made a difference, can we, do, you know, what, what happens if we do 40? 
Um, you know, it's not, oh, let's go back up to a hundred. It's, you know, let's, let's just kind of keep seeing what, you know, like you said, you know, you buy a little of the billboards here and there, um, you know, and, and, and you really did figure out, okay, maybe this was not working and, and, and this is, um, so, you know, it's, it's, it really is, it's, it's a challenge, especially, you know, for someone who is maybe doing their own marketing, or as you said, you know, trying to figure out, Hey, do we hire this done either an agency or, you know, an employee. It's just, you know, some of it is, you know, just knowing the questions to ask. I, I think that's, that's my, the case for doing your strategic planning first, right? Get mm-hmm. your strategy in place and mm-hmm. then mm-hmm. hire to that strategy. Right. So, you know, mm-hmm. I need to have an acquisition cost of $52 and seven cents mm-hmm. or less. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what we have to work at. Right. And we may not hit that month one, but if we're at Four hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. The likelihood of us cutting this by eight x pretty slim. Right. Mm-hmm. This probably isn't going to work for us. Mm-hmm. Right. There's some very practical ways that you can do this, mm-hmm. um, and and that's what we teach our licensees. Mm-hmm. So what what we do is we license intellectual property to marketing agencies okay. to train them how mm-hmm. do you do these things. Mm-hmm. Um, and and once the system is in place, it just kind of mm-hmm. it moves, mm-hmm. and, and clients see better results. Mm-hmm and agencies see more profitability mm-hmm. because not only is there more work, mm-hmm. but they're getting paid to do the strategic work mm-hmm. that really makes a difference and moves them from right. being a, a strategic, from being a tactical implementer to being a strategic partner, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. a trusted resource, if you will. Right. Right. I love it. Well, tell us more about how someone works with you and, and how they contact yeah. you. So the best way to get in touch with us is actually go, to go to thepreparedgroup.com forward slash books. This is our agency book club. Mm-hmm. We send out no less than three book summaries per week. Ah. And then we have a bi-weekly, uh, so every other week, mm-hmm. a book club for uh, marketing agency owners where we mm-hmm. sit around, we talk about a book, mm-hmm. we talk about problems that, that they're facing, mm-hmm. uh, and really figure out how do we grow better as an agency. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that's, if, if you're an agency and you want to reach out to us, that's the best way. Mm-hmm. If you're not an agency and you'd like to us to get in contact with one of our licensees who can mm-hmm. go through this process for you, mm-hmm. you can go to thepreparedgroup.com, go to the contact page, let us know that you're interested in talking to one of our licensees and we can mm-hmm. connect you uh, with two or three different groups mm-hmm. uh, and you can see which one of them is the right fit for you. Cool. Now, if they're small and they can't hire an agency, what resources might you have? Yeah. So... So we have, you know, that, that's the beauty of this is the, we, we have guys that are licensees that are one man shops. Cool. We have guys that, that are 40 man agencies. Mm-hmm. And so it runs a gamut mm-hmm. in finding the right kind of person mm-hmm. for them. It's not a one size fits all kind Perfect. of a reality. It's mm-hmm. finding something that fits for who they are mm-hmm. and, and really matching them effectively mm-hmm. with the right kind of licensees. Mm-hmm. Perfect. I love it. I love it. We have licensees that are everything from agencies to business coaches and consultants. Mm -hmm. Um, And and so we've got, we've got kind of a great group of people there that we can connect you with. Mm -hmm. I love it. And I've opened up your book thing here so that I can remember to look at it later. I that's, that's so cool. And, and, you know, for those who are going, Oh gosh, this is just, you know, we want to go back to the very start. Educate yourself, folks. You know, this is, it's, it's, it's not rocket science, but it's also, you know, it's, it's worth your time to, to do this. Um, you know, I remember years ago when, when I was a student and I, you know, and, and I was taking a class and, and I, you know, I was one of those kids, tell me why I have to learn this. And, and it was actually video production. And I said, I'm not going to do video production. Why are you, why do I have to learn it? And he said, you might not ever do it, but you might hire somebody to do it. And you need to know the questions to ask and the language to speak. It's exactly what we were talking about. So, you know, educate yourselves, folks. I mean, this is, this is not a, a hard process. It's just a matter of doing it. Um, absolutely. That's, that's the beauty of the time that we live in. Mm-hmm. You have access if you want it. Mm-hmm. And, and you can use that to to get the best people possible on your team right to grow your business mm-hmm. to maximize your revenue your impact mm-hmm. the difference that you make on the mm-hmm. world the difference that you make on your family mm-hmm. 
right? Your children, your children's children, mm-hmm. et cetera. Right. Well, again, Ken, tell us how people connect with you. Yep. Uh, the best way to connect with us is to go to thepreparedgroup.com mm-hmm. forward slash books if you're an agency, mm-hmm. uh, or you can can go to our contact page there. I'm also on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. Uh, I go by Kendall Cook, K-E-N-D-E-L-L-C-O-O-K, uh, and you can feel free to connect with me there as well. Perfect. I love it. I love it. Well, do you have any final thoughts that you want to leave everyone with? You know, I I went to school to become a pastor. Mm-hmm. And I worked for a ministry for 12 years. And if I can figure out the marketing thing, those of you who are far smarter than I am, I grew up on a cattle ranch in rural Oregon. Y'all can figure this out Mm -hmm. and you can find the right people to fill the holes when you ask yourself who, not how. Who Perfect. can I get to do this? Mm-hmm. Not how do I do this myself? Mm-hmm. But you're absolutely right. You've got to know the right questions in order to get the right people mm-hmm. on your team. I love it. Well, Kim, we definitely have to have you on again because this really did just start my little head churning with, with all sorts of things. And, and so we will continue this conversation. Um, and, and I look forward to that. But until then, I'm Deb Creer. I've been having a wonderful discussion. Oh my gosh, time just really flew by with Ken Cook. And everyone have a great day. Tune in for our next program for even more trends, best practices, and techniques for how to make your business a success. The Business Power Hour, hosted by Deb Creer, is proud to be part of the C-Suite Network. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.